The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to set this up for us by reading a few verses, and then I'm going to try to step back and explain why we're talking about spiritual gifts and give a little bit of some more context for what they are. I don't think I did a great job of that last week, and I'm going to try to correct that for this week. So we're going to pray. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through uh, 5, and then we will uh, get into this together. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, and uh, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding encouragement, and consolation. Father, as we uh, talk about the spiritual gifts, we ask that you would give us your spirit now, that we would have uh, ears to listen to each other and hearts to understand, and that I would speak clearly and help us to think through this together. And Lord, as you would will, that we would experience more of the gifts because we want to know you and love you more. So would you do that now as we worship you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I, I wanted to kind of step back and talk about why we are talking about the spiritual gifts. Um, this last week actually kind of offers us a little bit of a entry point. Uh, not last Sunday per se. Actually, um, we just celebrated this last week, Independence Day, right? Where we as Americans told the British, you shall not tax our second favorite drink and kick them out. Is that a, that's a fair assessment of the Independence Day, right? You taxed our tea, so get out of here. That's the way it works. So uh, we uh, celebrated Independence Day and there's a lot of things we kind of associate with it, right? Obviously, I was just joking about tea and taxes and all that stuff. But uh, when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about something that begins at what most people call the birthday of the church, right? Pentecost is uh, 40 days after the, the ascension of Christ. And um, it is, uh, Pentecost is the birthday, both mentioned in the New Testament and throughout church history, that's understood to be like the beginning of what we experience today in the life of the church, right? And at Pentecost, the first Pentecost, there was this outpouring of what the Bible calls gifts of tongues and prophecy and healings and all that stuff. And so ever since then, the church has wrestled with this reality. Um, there's gifts that are talked about in the New Testament. Um, they seem fairly common within the life of the church. At the same time, you have the Word that gets established. You get the New Testament that's kind of solidified within about 100 years of the birth of Christ, so about 70 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. It's all kind of tightened up, and they kind of have the New Testament. And so you have, on the one hand, you have the Bible that gets finalized. And like, this is God's word for us. We have the Old Testament, New Testament. We've got everything that God said to us. And we're going to listen to this and obey this. But you have, on the other hand, 
this dynamic of, look, there's these, the spiritual gifts, and it seems like God's alive and moving and does new things in the life of the church. And so throughout church history, you've had this kind of, these two different poles that end up kind of happening, right? You have order, liturgy, and form, and you have people who believe in freedom and expression. And this happens kind of, this gets played out all through church history. I mean, basically, I don't know if you're aware of this, most Christians throughout the world worship in the same type of pattern. Basically, the first part of the worship service is all about what's called the ministry of the word. So we listen to the word, we sing the word, and then the last part of the service is the ministry of the table, where you celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you grew up uh, in any sort of like mainline church, Presbyterian, United Methodist, which I grew up in, that's what it's like. Roman Catholic, it's very similar. Greek Orthodox, very similar. Like that's how a lot of people worship, and it's largely been the same. But the, the mechanisms of how you do that is kind of what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts. Do you tell people what to pray, or do you let them pray what they want? Like we gave, for example, when Rachel prayed earlier, I have a few prompts for her, but there's no like, pray this prayer. So there's, there's this tension of we have established forms of how we worship, but we want, we worship a living God. Like it's not just kind of a guy in the book who did a bunch of cool things back then. I, I think that we all gather here because we think that God is alive and active and he does stuff, however, whatever you want to call that. And so we live in this tension of how do we look to the Bible, do what it says, worship the way it says, but also we worship a living God who seems to do new stuff. Not, not different from the Bible, but new encouragements. I mean, we have another day because he's given us more mercy. I mean, that's plain from the Bible. New stuff and how we live and experience that's kind of the tension that we're living in, and that's why we're talking about what do we make, what do we do, and how do we make sense of all the spiritual gift stuff? So when we talk about gifts of tongues, prophecy, all healing, miracles, all that stuff, what we're talking about is how do we live within this tension of the Bible is the Bible, and it tells us how to know God and obey Him, and God's new, doing new stuff today. So is that, are we making sense here? Is this clicking? I got a, a kind of, we're okay? We're, we're kind of, we're on this, trending, trending up. Okay, all right, just making sure, you know. All right, everybody got your gladiator thumbs up, you know, we're going to go up or down. We're gonna, so, okay. I'm just saying, so, and depending on your tradition, the way you kind of value which way or the other um, kind of makes you think through what's the real stuff of worship. Like, if you grew up Roman Catholic, the real stuff of worship Really, it was the Eucharist at the end, right? It, that's, what, that, that's what you grew up, and that was the deal. If you grew up in kind of the Reformed and Evangelical world, it's kind of what we're doing now. It's the preaching of the Word. It's the, the real stuff. I grew up United Methodist. Uh, if you grew up in kind of that Wesleyan, United Methodist context, the singing, that was the deal. I knew I loved Psalm, or the, the hymnal, hymn number 469, and we're going to sing. I, when we sing that, everybody, that's the big deal. The singing was the big deal. That's the revival tradition, United Methodist tradition. If you grew up charismatic, it's the gifts and what kind of happens in the congregation. So we're trying to have a, a conversation here as a church. What does it mean for us to live in this dynamic 
so that we value the things that the Bible values, because you'll notice that real stuff of each of those traditions, all really important stuff. Lord's Supper, preaching, singing, all that gifts, like all that stuff's important. So how do we as a church figure out what the appropriate expression is for us here? So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of lay out a main point that's going to be very similar to last week, and then I want us to kind of talk through um, the focus and purpose of the gifts, the function of the gifts, and then the life of the gifts in our church. So here's the main point. Spiritual gifts are various ways the Spirit empowers us to worship the living Christ together. I'm trying to, what I've just set up with what we just said, I'm trying to capture all that in this main point and so, so you see we are worshiping the living Christ together, right? Jesus rose from the grave almost 2,000 years ago after, what, 40 days of meeting with his apostles and friends. He ascends into heaven where he reigns over the universe right now and is alive. So we don't just believe in some guy in a, dead, in a book. He's alive. So we're worshiping him, and the Spirit empowers us with various ways to do that right now as we gather together as a church. So the first thing I want to kind of pick up here is the purpose of the gifts in corporate worship. Here's what I want to do. I want to read a section from 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. And then uh, David's going to, we, one adjustment from last week, David is the mic runner. So if you want to say something, <laughs> just flag David down and he'll bring the mic over to you just so that we can all make sure that we're hearing it correctly and helpfully. So 1 Corinthians 13, this is, so last week we talked about the gifts where we kind of talked about that list stuff. This week we're talking about 1 Corinthians 14, but the lead in to 1 Corinthians 14 is verse, is chapter 13, and here, this should sound very familiar to you if you, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, they will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known, even as I have now been fully known. For now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, this is kind of an open conversation as we were doing last week. When I read this out loud, and Paul talks about love, love is a priority, where do you feel the, the emphasis of the spiritual gifts when he gets to that? What's the priority here? I just need to be encouraged in Jesus because it is hard to follow him, right? It is not an easy life as a Christian. That's not to say that it's like terrible, but I'm just saying we need this encouragement in Jesus. And so we show up. And part of the reason we talk about gifts is to say we have a plan for how we want to worship God and be encouraged. But he's also a living God who has something new to say to us. So how do we live in a way that we anticipate him showing up in new ways to encourage us. And I think some of that's going to be, I'll, I'll say this, and then I want to turn a Q&A just to say, like, any questions about this before we 
move on. This is trial and error. Um, how do we figure out for us in particular as a church, right? Not, I, I am not responsible for any other church in this city. I'm responsible for our church because I'm a member here. This is our congregation together. Um, so I don't know if you guys recall, about four, three or four months ago, we asked, like, hey, is anybody would like healing? And uh, we responded, laid hands on people, prayed for them, prayed for healing in one way or the other. It was great. I talked to a few people afterwards, um, and they were just like, I had never experienced that before, and it kind of caught me off guard. And, and just by probing and, and asking questions, I, what I realized was when I thought, hey, we're going to pray for healing, like, let's pray. We gather around, lay hands on people. Like, that's such a foreign experience for most people outside of, like, whatever my church experience has been, that it was just like, they were, it was a bit jarring for them. Like, I show up to a group context to hear about Jesus and sing about him, and now I've got random strangers laying their hands on me, praying for me. Like, you can understand, when you lay it out like that, it is a bit different than what people come in expecting. That's not to say that anything wrong happened or that anybody was offended by what happened, but we need to figure out how we're going to practice that type of, let's pray for healing, in a way that then sets people up to be encouraged. Is that making sense? So that it's not just like, hey, we're going to do our religious thing, and if you don't know what's going on, you're dumb. <laughs> That's not what we want to communicate to anybody. We want people to be invited in and respond in a way that they are built up with each other. All right, any questions on this before I move on? Matt? Or sorry, a person who may go by the name of Matt, for the record. Sorry, I'm not trying to call any. <laughs> um, so... Was it Psalms, the previous passage that you had pulled up? What was the one about prophecy um, being subject to prophecy or like? Yeah. Yeah. So this, um, in context of love, what does that look like practically in a corporate context like for like tongues being subject to the gift of interpretation or mm -hmm. prophecy being subject to like, is this a corporate word that is encouraging and shows the love of God? How do you, how do you then if that word might not be appropriate for that context, how do you articulate that in love as well? Like, what does that look like? Sure. I, I will get to kind of more of the functionality of prophecy next. But br briefly, I think, like, a part of the, the way that um, the gift of prophecy gets kind of vetted, uh, for lack of a better term, or assessed maybe is the right term, is um, does it fit the context of the corporate worship that we're having at that moment? Like, if it's a prophetic word and it's kind of like, hey, I, I, the way we practice it is we have the mic over here. Some, typically it's me just because I'm usually here every Sunday. Uh, somebody comes up to me, says, hey, like, I think I'd like to share this. Now, I, I can't remember in the history of our church me saying no to somebody's sharing just because I'm always going to be like, that sounds great, share. <laughs> you know, like I'm a very kind of permissive person, <laughs> but... If it didn't fit kind of what was going on, I might, or it just sounded kind of like, mm, you know what, that sounds like that might be for somebody in your small group. Why don't you talk to your small group about that? I think that we have to have a measure of maturity to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to be told no. Like, if I have a prophetic gift, a prophetic word, like, all right, being redirected is okay. Because it's not about you, it's about the corporate context. And the way we can practice that is to say, me as you know, one of the pastors of the church is just kind of 
weighing whether this fits as an appropriate for a Sunday morning. So I can speak to that more, Matt, if you want in a second, but we're going to kind of clarify that here with our next point. Any other questions? Okay. Is this making sense? Are we... Are we thumbs thumbs up? Okay, we're gonna. <laughs> All right, I promise. I, I I promised Nick that we wouldn't go over. So, um, <laughs> um, all right, let's swing back to First Corinthians, Corinthians five one through five, and we're gonna look at some of the function of prophecy in tongues and corporate worship. So this is gonna be a little bit more kind of detailed oriented, just to kind of. Help us understand some of this stuff. Yes, sir. This is corporate worship. And the reason I call it, sorry, I appreciate that question. The reason I call it corporate worship as opposed to like private worship where you're like singing songs of Jesus in your car or at a small group or something like that. This is like, this is a congregation. This is public. This is corporate. That's what I mean by that. Is that corporate? Oh, okay, cool. All right, I, I, I will answer the anonymous question from Blake about that. <laughs> um, all right, so 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 1 through 5. Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men but to God, and, to one who's, and, and no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want all you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So as we're reading this, I, I just, out of the gate, what stands out to you when we're reading this, to, processing this, kind of what we're together, what we just said, previously. What's standing out? What do you think, so to push on that, what do you think makes it ranked in this context? Um, I mean, it's definitely the idea that it's serving the church, right? Because this one is, uh, like the prophecy is, is standalone, doesn't need an interpreter. This one can build up the church as opposed to the tongues without the interpreter is saying, well, this doesn't build up anybody but the person who's speaking in tongues. Right. Um, but it is still very striking, just that it seems to. Sure. He even says, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I really want you all to prophesy. Yeah. It just seems like, at least in this situation, he's placing one above the other. And it seems to me, it, it, well, and it's interesting, he's, he places one above the other unless the tongues is interpreted. And it seems to me that the ranking has less to do with how spiritual you are and more about functionally who's being encouraged. It's great for one person to be encouraged. But this context is about us being together, encouraged in Jesus. So that's why it's ranked, I guess. That, that's what I would say. Yeah? What's the definition of prophecy? I'm going to get to that. And can, I, can, I, so can I hold off on answering that? Um, yes? So... Interprets for speaking in tongues when in the previous verse it references speaking in tongues for speaking to the Spirit. So is it for both? Like speaking in tongues, is that referring to just why would that be necessary to interpret is really what I'm asking. 
the reason for interpretation is so that it can be shared in a group context. It doesn't need to be interpreted if it's just for you. But if somebody, what he has in mind is if somebody stands up and says, I've got a tongue, I express the spiritual gift of, you know, the gift of tongues, and yabba-dabba-doo, <laughs> and everybody in here is like, what does that mean? It needs to be interpreted for it to have, I'm not trying to diminish the, the whatever, make fun of the gift. I'm just saying without saying what a tongue is. Um, so that it's helpful for everybody, right? So that, that's why it has to be interpreted. But if it's just you on your own praying, it doesn't need to be interpreted because you're being encouraged. And that's kind of what he goes on to say in the passage. Um, does that answer the question? Okay. All right, so let me kind of get into, well, I think we want to get some definitions here, and I'm going to provide some, and we'll talk through kind of some of the details here. So as you have more questions, uh, just, you know, raise your hand. We'll, we'll engage. So... To set up the gift of prophecy, just to clarify, I, I think within some traditions, um, when I use this language, it gets very confusing because when we think prophecy and prophets, we think Old Testament. Those Old Testament guys, they uh, were prophets who were appointed by God with authority, and we have what they said in the Bible. So when we say something like the gift of prophecy, it can be very, it makes some people very nervous. Like, are we talking about people who add to the Bible or have it the authority of the Bible? That makes people feel nervous. Understandably, right? You wouldn't want me saying up, getting up here and saying like, just so you know, you need to add stuff to the end of the Bible because my, I'm speaking the voice of God. That's how cults get formed, right? All that stuff. Um, so when we talk about that, I just want to, say that in the Old Testament, there are examples of what we talk about with the gift of prophecy. So, for example, um, Moses is, when he brings together the people of God in Numbers 11, there's this kind of outpouring of uh, prophecy where people are prophesying about the Lord, and Aaron comes to him and says, uh, there's these people who are prophesying. Uh, don't you want to tell them to be quiet? And Moses is like, would that all the people of Israel would prophesy? None of what those people said was authoritative or put in the Bible, and yet it's recorded to show that there's spontaneous kind of expressions of, of speaking about God that is there. Similar thing happens in the life of King Saul, who's before King David, where um, in 1 Samuel 19, where there's a bunch of people who are with Saul, and they are prophesying, and this kind of verbiage comes out, uh, you know, Saul, who is basically singing among the prophets, and it's all these people who are prophesying, but none of that's recorded, none of it's authoritative. Saul was a bad king, right? He, he wasn't a good guy, and yet it was still a legitimate expression of people worshiping God in a spontaneous way. So just to kind of say, there's a couple examples of that in the Old Testament. I can get into that um, maybe offline, just because I, I didn't really do a lot of a deep dive to refresh myself on that stuff. So uh, Isaac was asking, what, uh, what spiritual gifts are there? There's, um, so we're talking about gift of prophecy here. There's gift of tongues, healing, miracles, revelation, um, interpretation of prophecy, and interpretation of tongues. But those are just kind of, as we said last week, those are kind of catch-all spiritual gifts. And uh, it's more important, the emphasis is God showing up and expressing himself 
in new ways. So there isn't a, a final list in the, new, in the Bible. Is that cool, buddy? All right. Um, so let me d- d- uh, provide a definition for prophecy. Um, prophecy and then um, interpretation of prophecy. So last week, we kind of threw these under the bucket of uh, gifts of inspired utterance. The gift of prophecy, I just want to point this out because it took me like 10 years before I noticed this. Prophecy is spelled with a C. Prophesy is spelled with an S. <laughs> just a little grammar note. Just so you, I, I, did, I was like 10 years into reading this stuff and I was like, oh, I've been spelling that wrong in papers all this time. <laughs> so, gift of prophecy, a spontaneous, spirit-inspired, intelligible message orally delivered in the gathered assembly intended for the edification or encouragement of the people. I think that matches what we've been talking about, right? This is something that's spontaneous. That, and spontaneous, I would say, is a very loose term. That doesn't have to be like on the spot here on Sunday mornings. It could just be something that comes to you through the week. But it is spirit-inspired, which means that it's focused on Jesus, intelligible, right? It makes sense. It's orally delivered. I, I guess the only qualification here is that if we had a members of our congregation that were um, vocally... Uh, handicapped in some way or the other, sign language, same idea, right? It, it's not intended to diminish that as an expression. It's just saying that it's, it's not like radio brain waves <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing intended for edification or encouragement of the people, right? It's intended to help us love Jesus, know his mercy, experience his kindness in a fresh, particular way. So expressions of this, in my experience, have been um, anything in the range of, I feel like this morning, God wants to encourage those that don't know if they can survive another week. So you're talking about depression, you know, suicidal ideation. You're talking about things that are really dark. And then you have somebody who says, I want to pray. I think God's, God wants us to pray for that. And they pray a prayer that just kind of like reads your heart's mail, like, I've been thinking about that stuff all week. And what you experience in that, God sees me, I'm known, I've been prayed for, I've been redirected to Jesus. Like, that's the point of this. Like, I, when we, I don't know what you're thinking of when you think of, like, the gift of prophecy, like, ah, thus saith the Lord, you know, Bill Clinton's going to win a third election. You know, it's like, that's not going to happen for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but that's not what this is in view. This is edification for particular ways in which we struggle, right? I mean, that's, what the, that's why we, we talk about edi- being edified, because we struggle. Um, or, you know, I, I've experienced a gift uh, in more of a personal way of like, you know, somebody basically reading my mail, and it's like, okay, I guess God, again, knows me, sees me, other people care about me, I'm being prayed for and directed to Jesus. Like, that, that's, the, that's the focus of this whole thing, right? So, gift of interpretation, I, I'm not, I, the only reason I mention this here is because it's in the list. I, my experience is not very common with the gift of interpreting prophecies, but my sense is if a prophetic word doesn't quite make sense, 
somebody comes alongside and says, I think I have something to clarify that. And that's kind of all it means, right? I, I'm trying to, to lower the stakes on this so that it's not so intense. Um, let me say a few things about how we practice this and then we can pause before we move on. Um, so verse 26 um, to 29. Let me read this and make a few comments here, guys. When, uh, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or three at most, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each one keep silent in church and, seek, uh, and speak to himself and to God. I think this speaks to the question earlier about interpretations. Uh, let two or three prophets speak, um, and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to, to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for, all can pro for, for you all can prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So I, I think I put together, did I put together a list here? Okay. Here's what I, I know the question is going to come up. How do I know if I have a gift of prophecy for the church? Notice I spelled prophecy correctly here. The C instead of the S. <laughs> I just, I want, I want points for effort. Um, so do you have a clear idea about something that would encourage other people in their Christian walk? Right? Gift of prophecy is for building up, strengthening, encouraging. Does it fit the public context? Does it fit, you know, for whatever reason... Does it fit what we're doing? Are you willing ask, to ask others to help in sharing it? I think that's kind of the baseline of what's going on with spiritual prophets or subject to prophets. If somebody has something to say while another's speaking, the other one sits down. Paul, you have to remember, in this context, was addressing a church that had gone amok on this whole thing, and they were just, everybody was just speaking whatever came to mind at any point, and they were just arrogance all over the place. And so basically he's just saying, like, are you humble about what you want to say? And then, am I motivated by love for others to share this? So, I, I don't think this is an intensive list. I think this is a helpful grid to say, if you, even right now as we're talking, while we're worshiping, something comes to mind, you're like, you know what? I think we would be encouraged by, doing, by praying about this. Or God has something to say about this. Reading a Bible verse, praying about it, I think that's, that fits the, mo the mode of what we're talking about here. Um, I think what I said earlier, but I, I just want to reemphasize this, the way we do this is if you have something that comes to mind, I'm right here, we come up, you share with me what you want to share, I say green, li green light, yellow light, I give the eye signal to the worship leader typically between a song, and you share. It's very straightforward. All right, can we, I want to pause for questions and then I want to acknowledge we're running out, we're running out of time. I thought this might happen. <laughs> so, um, but I do want to do questions and then I think we'll, we'll pause. Any questions here, guys? No? Can I, I'm just going to skip over some stuff and end with a thought on this.
to kind of help us, I think, kind of see the focus of what's going on here. Are you guys cool with that? All right. I want to skip over to First, uh, first Thessalonians 5 to end, end us this morning. This, I think, is the heart of what we want to do here. So I want to speak to the life of the gifts in corporate worship. First Thessalonians, um, there should be a slide for this. First Thessalonians, the life, yeah, there we go. Took me a second to read it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who call you, calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You'll notice, I think, in the midst of this passage, it's a similar pattern to what Paul did in 1 Corinthians. Live it out together. Love each other in Jesus. Desire the spiritual gifts. Do all that stuff, but do it aiming to see Jesus face to face. Why do we need the spiritual gifts in our church? We need the spiritual gifts because how many people are here? Each one of you in your walk with Jesus has a unique and different perspective on what grace and mercy in Jesus means. If God wanted one perspective, on what grace and mercy means, he would have made one person and saved them. But he's made each one of us very different from the next. And the way you experience Jesus and the way you see him and the way you need encouragement and the way you need to be strengthened in your walk with Jesus, nobody else in this room is exactly the same. And so God calls us together And he calls us together not just to kind of go through the routine, but he calls us together to meet with him right now so that we can be reminded that we each, in the midst of our differences, are like the different sides of a diamond. We all reflect the same light, but in a different way, and yet it's more beautiful together. And we do all of that because we are being saved from this life into the next life, which is this world gone on absolute steroids, 3D, in a way that we could never anticipate. And even there, we will all see God in a different perspective, slightly different from the next. So what we start here is threaded with love to there. I want you guys to walk with me to see Jesus. I hope that that's why you're here, because we want to walk to see Jesus face to face together. And the spiritual gifts, all that stuff is just a mechanism to encourage us in that walk as we go to see him. It's because we want him, we want Jesus to be seen and known and enjoyed. So that's why we talk about the spiritual gifts. We said this at the beginning, I'll say this here. Spiritual gifts are various ways the Spirit empowers us to worship the living Christ. 
So I'm going to pray for us. We'll turn to Q&A just to briefly kind of close things off. And then we're going to join the living Christ for a meal and the Lord's Supper, and we're going to sing to him together. If the Lord has prompted anything for you to want to share, Mike will be up front. Father, as we've thought about this passage and this dynamic together, I pray that you would help us to love each other and to desire more of Jesus. Well, that's what we want. We talk about the spiritual gift stuff because these are just the tools that you've given us. But we want you. We're hungry for mercy. So would you meet us this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's see. Got it. I got uh, Blake's anonymous question. That was all. Super anonymous. That's all I got. Any other questions before we kind of turn to the Lord's Supper together? Yes, Nick. So, when it comes to interpretation of tongues, so if, if you're not supposed to publicly share tongues without an interpretation, how can somebody know that they're able to interpret that without having heard that first? How does that connection happen? How does okay, that get so made? This, is, uh, this is a complicated question. <laughs> I, so the way I've experienced this has, I, I, from the passage, we're given the categories, don't share a public tongue unless it's interpreted. So it creates the conundrum you're talking about. How do you then know if there's a tongue to be interpreted? The way I've experienced that has been along these lines. Somebody says, comes up to the, the mic up front or one of the pastors and says, I think I have a tongue to share. And um, you can do one of two things. You can either wait and see if somebody comes up and says, I think I have an interpretation. Is there a tongue? Or you can make an announcement. Hey, we've got somebody who has a tongue to share. Is there anybody here who has a, a, an interpretation? And you just wait and see. And we have to live in a world where no interpretation means, hey, great job experiencing the gift of tongues. Um, no interpretation this morning, so keep it to yourself. And that has to be okay. But the tension of what you do in that context I personally would probably be, if, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, I have an interpretation, I would probably make an announcement of like, hey, does anybody want to pray for an interpretation or a gift of interpretation so that we can share this? If not, then we'll move on. That's probably how I would do that. Never happened in my experience, personally. But who knows? There's always a first. Okay. And then, and then the hard part of the question. Yeah. <laughs> how do you go about vetting something like that? What's the, what's, I, I, you don't have to go super deep into it, just Google same Translate, Duolingo, do 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 I don't know. I just think you have to go on faith of like, I'd rather have a mess to clean up than, uh, than nothing. That's kind of the way I operate, so. Cool. Um, I don't think we had a definition for tongues. We d I skipped all that material. Okay. Intentionally. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm just, we're, running out of we're, we're running out okay. of time. I, I can read you my definition if you well, want. Well, just what would you say to someone who said that they thought tongues simply meant languages? 
Um, so my, my reading on that is Paul's pretty clear here that in 1 Corinthians 14, especially that the gift of tongues is about intimacy with God and prayer. Like there's multiple ways in which he says, and he's just referred to in 1 Corinthians 13 to the angelic language or angelic tongues, which I think is probably just a, a shorthand for unintelligible. There's on the other side of that, there is Acts 2, which is people praying in tongues and it's known languages that they didn't know. Um, I'm not inclined to, uh, to do, both are in the Bible, so I wanna affirm both. I'm inclined to think the first one is missionary context where you're breaking new ground and sharing Jesus with new, new people groups gift of tongues that's in, you know, unknown prayer language is more personal corporate or personal uh, prayer language type stuff. So I want to affirm both without having to get into like which one is which. Because it seems like they have different contexts that they show up, right? Missionary context, sharing Jesus with people who don't, you don't know the language or whatever corporate worship context where you're just trying to grow in your intimacy and knowing God that fits that context more. It's going to, if somebody's just going to interpret a message into the language that the people speak, it's kind of like, what was the point of it being in an angelic language for everybody? Sure. That just an observation. I don't know if that's, there's no question to it. It's just. I, I'm not saying that it's clean and easy on all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Along the lines of, um, having a, an interpretation for tongues, which says, which up there right now, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. What do you feel is the way to test a, a prophecy? Um, well, for me, when somebody comes up and says, like, I want to share a word, like, I mean, I'm not overly concerned about this with our congregation, but I, I do want to make sure that it's like, it doctrinally makes sense, like, not some crazy, you know, doctrine. I, I'm trying to think of a crazy doctrine right now, and of course I can't think of anything. But um, I think that if it aims at um, encouragement of other people in Jesus, I'm going to be okay with it. Um, that's me. My testing is along those lines of like, is it going to encourage people? Because have you ever had like a backhanded compliment? <laughs> Like, I want to hear something to be kind of like, I don't want somebody to get up there and be like, share like, God's going to worship, help us grow in our worship together because everybody here is dead in the spirit. It's like, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's encouraging, but not really. You know, like, that's kind of what I mean. Like, it, I don't want that type of stuff. That's kind of what I'm testing for. I do think it's interesting to consider how do we despise uh, prophecies. I think that's a cultural conversation in a certain sense. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.